And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast. Wherever you are listening to this, I do these free podcasts every Wednesday. They go out on all the major podcast platforms as well as YouTube and Rumble. But if you subscribe to my Patreon account at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur, T-O-N-Y-M-A-Z-U-R, you get this interview a couple of days early as well as extra content. And if you give me a couple of more bucks, it's bonus content. You get extra content as well. So uh, for just three bucks a month, you get all this Fun, fun content here at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. Like I said, early access to guests such as this. And this is, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of comedians on the podcast and actors, musicians, uh, people in, you know, or, or sports writers or anybody. But every so often, I like to kind of bring things back to earth a little bit and talk about some of the trials and tribulations that we have as people nowadays and what's been going on, especially the last couple of years during COVID and putting a spotlight on mental health. And that's one thing that I've been very concerned about that. I think this is just my opinion here. I think when people talk about, we need to put a spotlight on mental health. I think it's nice to say, but I think actions more than words need to be done. But here's somebody who is putting those actions to those words. And she's a nurse down in Louisiana. Her name is Tanya Gilbert. And uh, she also has a charity she's uh, very active on. And we'll talk about all this here and everything. But Tanya, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You got, you got a better be yeah. Yeah, you got a better setup if you're watching on the video here on uh, YouTube and Rumble. She got a nice setup, and here I am on my uh, patio right now. Look, I just... tried. I tried to, you know, I wanted it to look nice for you. I yeah, want everybody to have something nice to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, or or you have me where I have, uh, <laughs> um, I've got like a porch light, and uh, you, you might hear a helicopter hovering overhead, like it's Goodfellas. But <laughs> well, so if you hear something bang, it's storming here. So I apologize. So wow, it's that you you have you have worse. I, I know I heard about this by the way. Uh, speaking of Louisiana, the LSU football team is the first in the country that is now putting air conditioning inside their helmets. How about that? Like, is it really that bad? Is it really really that humid down there? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Most people come down here and they're like, oh, it's not that humid. And then they come down here and you walk from your door to your car uh, inside, outside. And they're like, oh, I can't take it. I got to go back in. You're just just drenched in sweat. 100% humidity all the time. Wow. I mean, so you talk about if you straighten your hair and you left for work in the daytime and by the end of the day, it's just curly. It's just a ball at that oh, point. Before the end of the day, probably <laughs> within the hour of walking through the parking lot to get into work. Goodness. I still have to go. I still have to go down there. Of course, everyone wants to go to the New Orleans. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a state. I really I just haven't been on that end of the country. I've been to Texas and I've been to Florida, but I haven't really explored in between. I have to go down there at some point. Oh, you're missing out. It's beautiful. Well, here. Yeah. And I've heard Shreveport that uh, they, they used, I don't know if they still have it, but they had to go cocktails and margaritas that you could just go get to put a lid we on ha- it. We, we do have that. We have um, we we also have what's called daiquiri barns and you drive through. And you can get a frozen drink and take it with you. Now, now they don't encourage you to drink it while driving. You but do not sure. drink and drive. They do tape the straw and they tape the, the lid with a piece of plastic, you know, just a little strip of tape. Well, that'll prevent them, right? That, that way you don't drink. Uh, no uh, drinking and driving. You won't You won't be tempted that no, you just got this I'll nice, delicious daiquiri. Nobody and... <laughs> pops the straw in the cup. Come on. We don't do that here. Well, you you are a nurse, so you know you've uh, 
you've dealt with a lot of stuff the last couple of years. And uh, I guess, you know, because I, I know a lot of nurses, too, and what they've been dealing with. And there's a, there's also a, a mental health crisis with a lot of nurses and even before COVID of what uh, people have to deal with, what they have to see. That's why when you hear about a, someone who's a therapist who also goes to a therapist. So you're always dealing with this constant cycle when it comes to your mental health. So talk about what led you, obviously, with you being a nurse, but what led you into focusing and putting that spotlight on mental health? Um, a lot of it is with myself. Um, you come into nursing and you are basically dealing with a lot of stress every single day. Um, you're dealing with people on on their worst days. And so you have that to go home with and you really don't get to the things you see and deal with on a daily basis causes trauma inflicts trauma on people. Of course it does. Um, and so we don't really have anybody that we can let that out on. Like we don't go home and try to throw that on your family or anything. And then of course the COVID hit and that was a huge hit to everybody as far as psychological, emotional, mental because not not even just as far as the virus, but the repercussions of it. Too. Yes, yes. I was in the middle of it, 100% working in COVID and dealing with it every single day. And just being, well, at first, you know, we didn't know if we were going to live or die. Of course, being nurses, we're catching it. And we're dealing with people every single day that have it. And then you're going home and you're alone. And there's no one to talk to, no one to make you feel better, no one to touch you, no one to hug you. You, I didn't even get that contact from people probably until six months or more into COVID. And so that starts having an effect on your mental health as well. No physical touch was just detrimental to a lot of people, not just the nurses. Um, you know, that's, that's something, that's something that people need, animals need, everybody needs touch. And I believe it would have made a big difference in a lot of people's lives um, then if we could have been able to do more touching and hugging. And yeah, well, cause that's what bothered me at the beginning was when, you know, in the last few years, and, and I think rightly we have put that spotlight on mental health. But when I when I've said, in my opinion, that we say nice things about it and we're like, no, we're here for you. But in reality, it just kind of when the worst of the pandemic was happening where people are old people who wanted to see their grandkids and you're telling a grandma to say, no, we're not allowed to see you because of germs or uh, that people had to postpone weddings and funerals. And I knew several people who in 2019, they're like, I finally got my life together. I'm sober now. I'm not doing drugs and on perks. I'm not drinking right now. And then they have nothing else to get them through the day. Their job got shut down or got altered. They're stuck at home. They can't see their family, can't see their friends. Um, they're told that the only way they can see them is through what you and I are doing right now. But you and I are doing this because you're in Louisiana, I'm, I'm in Ohio, not somebody who lives two miles away. It's like, no, we can't go out there. Correct. What does that do to somebody's mental health? And we're, I don't even think we're even close to seeing the repercussions of how that ended up happening. Oh, no, uh, no. And all, you know, you got to think about the fact too that touch heals believe it or not, touch heals. So if you have people that are sick or have uh, even mental health problems, touch helps. It helps heal people. It just does something to the psyche. Um, you know, I'm talking from experience. I'm not talking as a, you know, 
a scientist or anything. I'm just talking about from myself, from seeing it, that if you, if somebody's there with you and visiting you and being nice to you and talking to you and stroking your hair, touching your hand, you know, it, it, it aids in people getting better quicker, uh, people getting better that you didn't think were going to get better. It's, and I think a lot of it too has to do like you're talking about with the mind and the, the, the mental health part. And people still do say, yeah, you're right. There's supposed to be a change in a different status with mental health, but people still, if you hear about people having mental health issues, you, you still, there's still stigma. There, it may be behind closed doors or behind people's backs now, but there's still a stigma. If someone were to, let's just say if I came out tomorrow and went to work and said, you know what, I just was kept in a facility all weekend because um, I was having a nervous breakdown. I'm sure that people would have something to say about it behind my back, but mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that way. Uh, you know, it's, it's, especially with what's going on with the pandemic and everything happened. It just, it's affected a lot of people, a lot of people that may not even realize they had mental health issues it kind of highlighted, you know, and just put an effect in on these people. So now they do. And there's nothing wrong with saying you need help. There's nothing wrong with uh, saying you need some medication. And that's a big stigma on people. No one wants to say they're on medication for depression or anxiety or anything like that. I would rather see somebody and know somebody and date somebody that is on medication and know that they're okay and they're stable than I would somebody that's trying to handle it on their own and you have to worry about their well-being or them possibly being suicidal. Yeah, that's, you know, we've been, you know, hearing a lot of stories about that and people bringing up their own personal stories. And if, you know, whatever you want to get into, but uh, this does affect you personally. And if, if you're able to tell a little bit about your story, your background and what put you on this uh, kind of platform in order to put that, uh, put this out front as far as talking about mental health. It, you know, it, I, I don't mean to pry, but, you no, know, talk fine. about that's, a little bit about what you can. That's what I'm here for. I have decided that um, I'm a private person. So as far as my home life, my emotional well-being, I've never really put it out there, not even for my family. And I decided I'm strong enough now and I want to help women, especially. And so I've decided to start telling my story. And if that's what it takes to put my business out there and people think differently of me where I live, then so be it. Um, I'm here to help other women. It's not about me. It's about them. So I am a survivor of domestic abuse. It was very severe and it was for many years and it weighed on me heavily. The emotional, mental, physical abuse was horrible. And then once I was able to get out of it, I thought I was okay, but I wasn't okay. There is, they still have contact with you. You're still going to have issues. You're even when you finally do break that contact with them that you have to go on with trauma. You're going to need to talk to somebody. You're going to need to get out there and, and just heal. And the only way for me to do that was to talk to somebody. And then of course I was blessed enough to have my little chihuahua. And he was with me through everything, uh, the beginning, the middle, the end. So I got to thinking about it and I was like, you know, there's no kind of, there's no program set up really for women to be able to get out and get a therapy dog. And that was something that I, I knew that was something I knew about, like, cause my son was in the Navy and when he 
came out, there was things for him. And as well, people that had post-traumatic stress, they could get a dog. And there, you know, that was through the VA. And I said, that's what women need. That would be a big help. So what can I do to, to start something like this? And I decided, well, I'm a big advocate as well for saving animals, especially rescuing dogs. And I thought, why not? After COVID, especially people got back into their active lifestyles and going to work. And a lot of them didn't have time for these dogs. And a lot of dogs are going back to shelters. And then a lot of people um, are hurting because of COVID and they can't afford the dog anymore. They can afford food for their children or themselves and they have to make a decision. And that's a hard decision because dogs become your family. And I do not it's a commitment. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it is it, a commitment. It, when it I is. started seeing people, I heard those stories just really bothered me when they're like, look, I was at home for a year, but my boss told me I got to go back to work. I can't take care of this dog anymore, or this cat. And I'm just like, this is not this is not a present. I mean, you can yeah. use it as a present. This is a 12 to 20 year commitment that you're going through right now. And when you told me about that, we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago on the phone about this. It's fascinating when you see some of these shelter animals that have been there. And, you know, you hear the great stories about somebody who goes to a shelter and says, what's the oldest animal here? I will adopt it. It's, it, it's great. But also in that same Note that there are some of those animals that like it's a dog that's a year old, that it may not be a puppy, but it's also not very old, has a whole life ahead of them. Why not look in terms of trying to train that into being a, a therapy animal where if somebody has some trepidation with flying or any, uh, or public speaking or just mm -hmm. going out in public, yeah. why not yeah. give it a shot? Well, that was my thinking anyway, just like that. I thought, why not take these dogs and train them to be therapy dogs? for women who are abused and are dealing with post-traumatic stress. They're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with depression, panic attacks, things like that. So I can go in and take as many of these dogs out as I can, train them, the ones that, of course, meet the criteria, train them. And any woman that has an issue and would like one can get one free of charge. And that's what I have started and name of my foundation is called don't lose heart. And it's because I don't want the animals to lose heart. Like they're in a situation that they're going to be in and they're going to just die there. And I want women to learn to feel the same way. Don't lose heart because you're going to get out of this situation. I've been through it. I've been to the bottom. I've been through hell and back and I came out and I'm here now because I'm going to go to these women and I'm going to help them walk out of it. And we're going to walk together with this new dog. So you're this is a, a a process where I think a lot of people that have not gone through domestic issues and, um, you know, like, it could, well, you talk about COVID that we heard a lot of that uptick as well is that people are stuck at home. And when they're stuck at home, you can't stand each other. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, not to put a light on it, but in some ways it was like, wow, we're, are human beings like when, when you and I get married, are we supposed to spend 20 of the 24 hours together? And it's like, well, that's kind of what you signed up for. And we started hearing a lot of stories about the about domestic violence and happening on both ways, where it's husband abuses wife, wife even abuses husband. There's a lot of that. I mean, I, I had a, girl, a previous girlfriend that I lived with who was also abusive towards me. Um, but as a stand-up comedian, I put it into a, a stand-up act. <laughs> so, and I did get a I did get a cat, though. I will say though, uh, it was helpful getting a cat at that time 
may not be a dog. I may not take my cat on the road with me. I might not put it in my front seat and go to work and everything, but animals do help. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Is it the unconditional love that uh, especially a dog will give you? Or if you have a cat that you have to earn their trust, I don't know what it is, but my cat really did help me through some of my worst problems. And uh, I, I felt so much better. And I don't even know if the cat even realized it, but it those animals really do help. Yes. And I'm not opposed to eventually, you know, putting cats in there. I just have to start. It's it smaller right now. And yeah. right now the idea is, and I'm not against helping men later right now because of my situation, I'm here to help women and mm -hmm. the dogs. And it is a good thing. Dogs, they, they have these senses. They know, they know when you're, you're distressed. They know when you're hurting, they know when you're happy. And that is, and I'm gonna tell you right now, a rescue dog will love you unconditionally because they've been in that situation a lot of them have been in abuse a lot of them have been hungry and wanted just want love and um, affection and food and they will be there for you forever and so I just think they make a really good you know animal to come out and do is to make a therapy dog because it's someone to come home to. Yeah, it's someone to come home to. If if you feel that you're in a relationship, a marriage that uh, you aren't, they are not uh, like you, you dread coming home because of that. Oh, yeah. And yet, the only thing that is coming is is your dog waiting for you to feed them and to play with you and jump in your lap. It's it's it it it's out of all the traumatic things, it's something to put a smile on your face, even if it's just kind of fleeting very very soon. Mm -hmm. Um. It, it, when it comes to domestic violence and everything, and um, have you noticed, especially as a nurse, but also as a victim of it, are we doing a better job in society of coming forward and putting out those warning signs? Are we finding any, I don't want to say solutions, because unfortunately it's still going on, but um, you know, is, is this something that is being curbed a little bit more than no. where it was, or is it getting worse? No. Um... I would say, just for instance, um, there was a lady that I helped uh, about a week ago, came to me and um, just needed someone to talk to that's been there. And she's trying to get out and she was filing a restraining order. And if it wouldn't been for the assistance of somebody that knew what they were doing and pushing the issue, the restraining order was didn't get issued look properly. It... Um, and this is with somebody that was in the channels knowing what to do. The ball still got dropped and the guy wound up not getting served when he was supposed to. He got served like four days later, in which time he had gone where they didn't even know where he was at to serve him by that time. And so she herself, the friend was like, now I understand why women don't come out or say anything because nothing gets done. By the time it does get done, th terrible things could have happened to this woman. He could have found her. He could have gone to where she was, beat her up, killed her, any, heaven forbid, you know, anything. And that's what a lot of us women deal with because the repercussions of him finding out that you've done this and then it not getting follow up with is terrible. Mm -hmm. And once you get their vengeance, you know, is really worse than what it was before you did it. So the best thing to do is to, for a lot of us felt was to stay quiet. And because I got, mine, mine threatened me all the time. He threatened me the, 
he knew I was private and he threatened me to tell my family. He threatened to tell my ex-husband so that my son would get taken away from me. Um, he uh, worked in law enforcement for a while. So I had that. I couldn't talk to the police because he worked for them. Um, you know, there was a lot of things that he would like beat me and then say, call the cops. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to beat my head on this mirror and I'm going to bash my head in it. And my head's going to be bleeding and we're both going to go to jail. And, you know, that's what happens. They, mm. they ask questions later, they arrest you now. And all I could think of is I'm a nurse. I'll lose my license. I'll lose my son. So the, like I said, the mental part is just as bad as the physical part. The physical yeah, part usually heals. It's the mental part that takes a while. When when you hear people who are not in this universe and think about and they hear a story about somebody who was raped and they hear about statute limit limitations, and they say, well, why, why don't you just go to the police? Just go to the police. Just yeah. do it. Just like, why can't you just like this happened to you? The first thing you should do before you go anywhere, don't keep it to yourself. Go to the police. And I, I again, I think if you're, you know. Uh, one of the fortunate people who are not a part of that, you, you don't understand what goes into what plays into. And like you said, where you'll have somebody who is a complete nutcase <clears throat> who will say, you know, will hurt themselves and say yes. that you did this yes. and no one's ever going to believe you. Exactly. And you put that you you inject that mentally into some, into a victim's mind by saying, maybe maybe I was beaten. Maybe it is my fault. Maybe yeah. it is. And the psychological warfare that happens on top of the physical stuff. And, you know, it it's just unfortunate that it, it still is going on. And, you know, during COVID, like we said, it got exacerbated in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it, it is it, it is good that more women are like yourself are speaking out about this and doing something about it and a lot more support groups and or Facebook groups or whatever the case. But uh it just wow! It's just the, the the fact that it's still going on. Yeah. Like I can't even I can't even fathom that. I can't even fathom laying my hand on my wife or anybody like that uh, to get to that level. But it's happening. It's happening every. It's happening right now, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a lot of men out there that say that. You know, they would they could never understand it. And I was not brought up that way either. I never you know knew what that was about. And of course, I have brothers and. They're like, if they would have known, you know, they would have gone and taken care of it for me. But there usually a lot of us that when we're in this situation, there's a lot of getting back together, breaking up, getting back together, getting and you don't want your family to know about any of this, because if you do break up and then get back together. Then you don't want them to, you know, hate this person, like with my, for instance, mine was more about the alcohol whenever he was, he's a, he was an alcoholic. So whenever he was sober for, he usually could stay sober when he tried for 30 days, but when he, and that's the person you fall in love with. And then they go start drinking again, start taking drugs, which his was prescription drugs, pain pills, Ambien, and the, the, the kicker of all was Alprazolam, which was very easy for him to get. He could walk into a doctor's office and say, I'm an alcoholic. And what's the number one thing you give alcoholics to try to withdraw from alcohol dependency? Mm. Alprazolam. So it was readily available, but yet he was using it and still drinking. Wow. That and that's when he became the crazy person. 
Well, you you mentioned that and kind of on a similar subject as being a nurse, have you seen this, like I've watched a lot of documentaries, especially on the Sackler family, uh, where they would call people in the you know, southern parts of the country, they call them pillbillies, that they were decimating a lot of uh, communities and filling them full of all these prescription drugs and fentanyl and everything and carfentanyl eventually. And it's... Um, you know, you, you see this dependency that we have seen for the last 30 years of people who are just like, you have minor back pain. It's like, I need a pain pill. Mm-hmm. And we're just creating drug addicts that, that have popped up. And this is, I mean, look, if, if you have a sore back, you go, okay, maybe you take an aspirin, maybe you put some ice on it. Mm-hmm. That was what it was at one time. And now it's like, no, you don't need to be in any discomfort. Here, have a pill. Yes. Have you seen as uh, of, of, I don't, I, I'm trying to word this properly because I don't want to get you in trouble, but uh, like people being overprescribed for things that don't necessarily uh, are not at that level, I guess. I have not. Um, it's a lot of ours are that I, people that I have worked for. I've travel nursed and gone all over the United States, but the the people that I have worked for, they're more watching and not wanting to prescribe these because of the issues. But I have known of doctors, of course, that did. I never had to work for them, um, but I've heard of it. And we've developed a society where people want a quick fix for, they want, like you said, a pill. They want a quick fix for whatever's ailing them instead of like, let's say, for instance, diabetes. Okay, you can either control this diabetes with diet and exercise and you need to lose weight or I can give you a pill that's going to help you and lower it. Which do you prefer? Hmm, Give me the pill. No, that way I can just keep eating what I want. I don't have to exercise. I don't have to do anything. So, you know, I've seen a lot of that as a nurse. Yes. Well, in the in the obesity rates, because I think that's that was another thing that played into covid was. When you're seeing people just eat whatever they want, and we're one of the few, if any, society where the poorest people are also obese. That was never a thing. <laughs> we never, we, in any society, the people who were portly or big, that meant they were well-fed. That meant they probably had some money up until recently where we have dollar menus and something. It's like, yeah. look, I could I could go to the Whole Foods down the street or I could take the family to McDonald's and, you know, fill them up on 20 bucks. And that's just so, OK, it's cheap, but it's also cheap food and it's not good for you. So we were seeing a, a big spike when it came to the comorbidities during covid. And uh, as a nurse, I'm sure you've just seen how those comorbidities just continue to multiply because people are just not taking care of themselves. And if they can take a pill where they can, all right, no, let's see. I want, like you said, that quick fix. If I have the quick fix, I'm going to be okay. As opposed to maybe I should cut out the booze. Maybe I should cut out the fast food. Maybe I should go to the gym, get a membership. Maybe I should at least start walking. And I think a lot of people just didn't want to do that. And it's, um, you know, I, I guess that's my own editorial, but it just seems that that's been causing a lot more problems than it hurts. Well, the sad thing about it is when you want to, like me, I try to eat, you know, halfway decent. Um, I do like burgers and pizza and stuff like that. I'm not, a, but I do try to eat. Yeah, you have Raisin Cane's down there in Louisiana, right? Oh my gosh, yes. It's this Probably in every corner. Oh, so good. Um <laughs> So I try to limit myself of eating stuff like that, but it's 
gotten to where it's cheaper for families to eat uh, junk food and fast food than it is to go buy healthy food in the store now. And that's sad. You know, it used to be the opposite when I was growing up. We didn't get to go to McDonald's. We didn't get to just run and go to Burger King, you know, or any of that. And it was like a big deal. Like maybe Sunday after church, the whole family got to go to say like Ryan's or something. And that was a big deal, a big buffet, or you got to have that little steak or something like that. Um, But no, we cooked every meal. And so things have changed in society. And until society goes back as a whole and changes it back, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know. We need to, we need to make it where it's cheaper to eat healthy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it takes more work. And I, I think we don't want to do the work. And I think we want to, like you said, that quick fix of, mm, how about if I take this and then it, it'll help me lose weight or, okay, it's going to take you six weeks, but then you might see a little bit like I, at the beginning of the year, I don't have, I don't have an addictive personality, but I realized I do like booze. I like drinking beer every so often, do some shots. And at the beginning of the year, I did dry January. So I didn't drink from around New Year's up until uh, Valentine's Day. And I, I think back to, because I've got a wedding this week and my brother's getting married and all these other events happening through June and into July and July 4th. And because of July 4th, I know it's going to be burgers, hot dogs, here, have a beer, have this and this and this. And it's so tough when you're in, social circles where it's just accepted that, oh, you you drink beer and you eat crappy food and everything. And uh, at least with January, it was an opportunity where I don't see a lot of people and it's too cold outside here in Ohio that, yeah, I don't need to go to the bar tonight. I'll just have a nice meal at home. And I felt so good. Like I actually felt wonderful. I didn't wake up with a hangover. I, I was getting eight hours of sleep a night. It was nice. And here I am now. It's We're recording this in June and now oh, I had a couple of drinks today, and, it's, and then I wake up. I'm like, oh, well, oh I can. Yeah, I wait till after on? the podcast. See, I'm, I wait till after my podcast because <laughs> I don't want to drink before. Uh, come to Louisiana. Let me tell you where all we do is cook this amazing food with all kinds of seasonings, and then mm-hmm. it's in you know we hit crawfish season, and that's a big deal. Crawfish and beer—that's what we're known for. And then we have, you know, we boil crabs, we boil shrimp, we boil crawfish, and you just, it's a continuous thing. And then, of course, I mean, we have all kinds of uh, food that is, you know, it's cooked in a lot of butter and. Um, oh, yeah. yeah pa- I mean, Paula Dean specials. <laughs> yes, exactly. Have, and, have some beignets. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have you ever had a beignet? I have. Yes. A real um, beignet from. Uh, yes, I, I've had the real beignets and my wife's been to Cafe Dumont down. In, oh, OK, uh, there you go. And... You know about it then. OK, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. You can't just eat one. And then, so, I mean, it's bad. And then, of course, you've got the alcohol. I mean, Louisiana is kind of known for that. You know, it's it's food and drinking. And so, yeah, it's it's hard to break that. But it's, but it's about balance, though. And You've for you being a nurse, it. traveling yeah. nurse, and you also have your your own what, what you're doing locally is that, yeah, OK, you like your beignets, you like you like drinking some beer, but it's all also about balance. And it's making sure like we've heard about everything is good in moderation, including moderation. It's true, though. It's but 
I mean, again, like I said, this weekend, forget about it. I'm you're going to probably put me in a wheelbarrow at that point based on the amount of drinking and, and food. But then I also under acknowledge that by Monday, I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to go in the sauna. I'm going to try and get five miles running at the gym. And it's all about that, that balance where I know that I, I, I'm going to have to pay for this at some yeah. point. I'm yeah. going to have to pay. It's not going to be pleasant. It's going to hurt my joints. It's going to, yeah, I'm going to keel young. over and sweat. You're still young. Wait till you get old like me. Then I'm, like, I'm an old man now. Oh no, <laughs> I'm old. And I'm, let me tell you, it's rough because uh, inside I still feel 25, but I can't burn it off as quickly as I used to. Oh so yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, as soon as I as soon as I hit 30, the hangovers. It was just like, what is this? Like, should I call a scientist? This is this is not real. It's like, what's happened? It's like, dude, you just drank too much yesterday. But again. It's about the moderation. It's about making sure that you're living at least a somewhat healthy lifestyle. We're not, we're not expecting everybody to have kale smoothies every day. But if you balance out the, the Raisin Cane's, the Caniac combo with a little bit of you know exercise. All about it, don't you? Oh, oh, absolutely. The box you're combo, Ohio, the Caniac. Right? You're in Ohio, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're there. They're popping up. They're like on every street corner right now. No way. Mm hmm. So yeah, everything have, south eventually comes north. Y'all have our the sauce and everything. You have the sauce. We, we, look, we we have Waffle House down the street Wait, from say me. It again. Yeah, How you say sauce. You say it sauce. 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 sauce? No, not sauce, but sauce. So sauce. with the S A W C E. Sauce. 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 That's like I said, boiled. They probably like what is a ball? It's boil. B O I L. Ball. <laughs> do you do you do you say pop soda or coke down there everything's coke everything's you, coke yeah do you want a coke yeah okay what kind that's what okay that it's so like, that's it that's yes, interesting if i say i want a coke do not bring me a coke i'm the dr pepper girl so when they say coke and you'll say yeah you want a dr pepper or a sprite yeah. like we're we're pop up here and yes, it's really I've lived interesting up there before i've lived up north before i lived in <clears> las vegas and um they didn't have Dr. Pepper back then when I lived up there and it was horrible. It was like, I want to say Mr. Pibb or something like that. Oof, yeah. Yeah. Oh. The knockoff Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Yes. It was like, oh, or, and Pepsi, the further North you went, you couldn't get Coke. It was Pepsi. Pepsi yeah. There's Coke. more Pepsi places. It's like, can yeah. I get a Coke? It's Pepsi. Okay. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it's funny how, how pop in Ohio, here in Ohio, it's pop. But then you go just like two hours to the east soda. and it I becomes soda. soda. I want a soda. But a then soda. it becomes Coke, maybe a couple hours to the south of us. So yeah, we're, almost everybody in the south. If you say, um, I, we don't say I want a soft drink. No, can I have a Coke? Sure, honey. What kind do you want? We have Sprite, Dr. Pepper, Coke. You know, that's how it is. Yeah. And in Ohio, when somebody says they want a Coke, it's not a Coke. It's just Coke. <laughs> Oh, just roll the dollar bill. I'm just kidding. No, that's uh, being give a, silly. Give me, give me a Coke. Give me Coke. Wait. No. Yeah. yeah. Wait, you don't say give me a Coke. No, they say nose beers. That's that's what. <laughs> what? No, no. If 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 people want a Coke in Ohio, they they'll get a Coca-Cola. Oh, you have to say Coca-Cola. Yeah. You'll Coca-Cola. say, yeah. Yeah. Can I can I get a Coke? And when we say Coke, like if you're from the south and you come to Ohio, you say, yeah, I'll have a Coke, but you really wanted a Sprite. They'll come back with a Coca-Cola and you're yeah. like, I didn't really want this, yeah. but thank you. Yeah, I would drink it anyway. I wouldn't say anything. Yeah, you won't you won't complain. But uh, I did that but, one time up north. I said, um, 
I said, I want to, I want to, I want a bowl of hot sauce. And the guy looked at me and he said, what? And I said, a bowl of hot sauce. And he came back. He literally had poured like Louisiana hot sauce in a bowl and brought it to me. And I was like, what the heck is this? I meant salsa. Okay. Bring me a bowl of salsa. And well, okay. See, I would have been confused if I were a server there. Like if you said a bowl, a bowl of sauce. Yeah. I probably would have done that. Taken some Tabasco and put it in a, in a, the soup bowl. You must have dumped the whole two or three bottles and just get it that big. That's crazy. I need to move south, but uh, yeah. but we well, say a lot of backwards things, and it's hard sometimes. We what we say is backwards, but we know what we mean, and then the person you're talking to does not, and it can be frustrating. I do like those cultural differences, though, because it, 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 that's what makes us great is that you can go to a different place, and we're not all just a monolith people that uh, yeah. like we have our differences, like. We're, you know, we've got like all the craft beer and uh, Polish boys and all this other food that we have in Ohio. And then you go down, you, you get gator and you get all that down in uh, yeah. Louisiana. So, yes. but I, I, I love that. I love celebrating that. Well, Tanya, this has been this has been a fun conversation. Nice talking to you. And uh, well, let's get the plugs out here uh, once again. <clears throat> you know, the, getting back to being a little more serious is about uh, the the service animals for women who have been the the victims of this abuse. That's again, unfortunately, happening. Uh, is there a website? How can people get in touch? How can people get in touch with you? How can we grow this where we can make it from where you currently are in Louisiana? Make this more of a nationwide thing. That's my goal. My goal is to make it nationwide. My goal is to also eventually rescue every shelter dog that needs it, that can be a therapy dog, and to give every woman across the United States and who knows, even worldwide, <laughs> a therapy dog if they want one. They can reach me right now. Um, I have an email address and it's um, don't lose heart by Tanya at gmail.com if they want to reach O-N-I-A, by the way. Yes. And it, and you don't put an apostrophe in it whenever it's like an email address or um, something like that. So I've don't already... lose heart by Tanya at gmail.com. Tanya, Correct. T-O-N-I-A. Correct. And then um, the, the web address is um, being worked on right now, but it is don't lose heart.net. And you go there. That's our web page. I'm in the process of making a Facebook page and um, you can also reach me on Instagram, nurse Tay Tay. It's all one word and it's T-A-E-T-A-E. And that's on, that's my Instagram account. These are, if you just want to reach me and reach out and offer your services, um, tell me your story, whatever you need. Um, I've gotten a lot of people that have already reached out that people I've even known that keep these things to themselves. So I want to be there as well for these people. If you need just somebody to talk to, I'm here, just reach out to me and I'll respond to everybody as soon as I can. Excellent. Well, you know, good luck with everything. Good luck with trying to grow this. It's obviously, it's a very personal thing for you and it's personal for a lot of people who've been gone through basically hell and back and they don't know where to turn. And they realize that there are people who've, been in similar shoes and that they need some kind of guidance. And if, you know, if, if all it takes is that you do adopt a, a, a service animal and it's anything you can do to help and, and deal with the, the PTSD from what you've been through. And like you said, your, your son being in the military and what they're able to do with the VA with the service animals, why not somebody who not didn't necessarily see war overseas, but saw war at home. 
exactly. and and trying to help out what what they can, especially for some of our most vulnerable. So, uh, yeah, again, don't lose heart by Tanya at gmail.com. If you have any questions, you have anything, uh, maybe you want to bounce your story off of her to, just to know that maybe you were in the same boat uh, or if you have something where you want to help donate or spread the word for that uh please go reach out to her as well as uh on social media but tanya thanks again so much for doing this and uh looking forward to putting this out there and trying to reach as many people as we can try to help as many people as we can it's people like you that are making this possible for me and i really want you to know how much i appreciate it for letting me get on here and just talk about it and you know i tried not to be too serious i tried (laughs) to bring a little bit of fun to it as well but there's a lot more that i can talk to these women if they need to talk about i've been there I've been through the trauma. I've been to wanting to know that I wanted to kill myself, that I wasn't good enough, that I was all the feelings they're going through. I felt them to not being a good enough mom. So I'm six years down the road and I'm back out of it and I'm better. And I'm here now to say that I'm strong and I'm here to help you get stronger. I'm glad you're here still with us and uh, coming out on the other side. And uh, again, I know it's a, it's a daily struggle. Some days are going to be better than others, but uh, let's hope the better days continue. And for not just you, but for other people who might've be in a similar situation, listening in the audience. And I want to thank everybody for listening to today's check your brain podcast. Again, if you liked what you heard, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify. I am on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur, where you can get this uh, podcast up early before before all the freeloaders get it. <laughs> so, but uh but again, uh, if you don't want if you don't want to donate to the Tony Mazer fund for uh paying for his beers on my Patreon, please go and uh, donate to uh, great causes like Tanya's. Uh uh so thanks everybody for checking out the podcast and I will talk to you fine folks coming up next week with another edition of the Check Your Brain podcast. Bye now.